0: Welcome to the Product Power Up Podcast, where you'll learn how to take every aspect of your product business to the next level. From product design to sales, crowdfunding to retail, operations to marketing, we talk about it all. Now, let's power up your business. Here are your hosts, Emerson Hammer and Russell Steve. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Product Power Up Podcast. Uh, Today, we're really excited about our show. We have our guest, Braden, here with us. Um, today we're going to be going over uh, fulfillment, working with a 3PL, um, how to improve your your shipping um, experience for your customers, and we're excited to to dive into it today. Uh, so, Braden, you want to just jump right into it and kind of
1: give us a little bit of a background of of yourself and, and your company, kind of what you guys you guys are up to. Sure thing. So, my my background has been primarily in sales. I I started uh, obviously in call centers door-to-door, a lot of your, your basic consumer sales, and then slowly transitioned into a, a B2B sales opportunity. So uh, after I got out of that door-to-door world, I, I moved to a company here in Utah called Traco Packaging um, and actually worked to, to manage their sales division uh, for for the entire state of Utah. So our main goal as a company was to sell uh, custom and, and stock packaging to mostly consumer goods, wholesale companies, manufacturers, and anything that had to deal with the product industry. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the companies that I ended up working with there were 3PL based clients uh, or e-commerce businesses. So really that's where I, I got my first taste of, of how heavily the e-commerce world is growing and, and how aggressively uh, things are shifting away from this retail focus on, into an online uh, department. So, ultimately, that that's what led to starting this business. Gotcha. So you first started
0: supplying the three PLs with their their product or their. Their materials, then you're like, nah.
1: I'm just gonna do the whole thing. I'm gonna do the fulfillment, huh? So you kind
0: of swooped on your competition, huh?
1: <laughs> yes, I did, and you know, some of them didn't like that, but I, have tried to be respectful <laughs> and you know, keep keep their clients uh, as theirs and and grow a business uh, on our own two legs. So, no,
2: how how long have you guys been in business, or how long have you been doing your fulfillment?
1: So we've been officially in business for three years. We, we really have been have been actively uh, working for about two years. So. Uh, we've had two full revenue years, and then we had some trailing months uh, just before that. Cool. That's awesome.
0: So I guess kind of that, that transition, maybe walk me through that. You were selling packaging, and then you got into the fulfillment business. Um, mm-hmm. So you're doing pick, pack, and ship, and storage, I'm assuming, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I guess, was there like a green light that you're like, oh, I want to get into being a 3PL or get into fulfillment? Or how did that like transition go from
1: box salesman to... Mm-hmm into the fulfillment, I guess. I, I always wanted to start a business. That that was never a question. And I was always looking for the right opportunity. Um, I actually had, they call it the entrepreneur uh, push and the pull, right? So you, the pull is this desire to want to start something and the push is what ultimately forces you out the door. And, and to kind of keep things quick, I, I had a commission check that, that should have been much higher than it was. Um, and uh, once that event kind of happened I said you know what I'm just not happy right I want to go out I want to be able to control these types of things I want to be able to grow a business uh and have that guidance and direction so I I was actually approached by one of my clients to buy their very small fulfillment center Hmm. Uh, they were asking an astronomical price uh, something (laughs) not even in the ballpark of what the thing was worth um but it it wet my whistle just enough to where I said you know what this is this is what I want to do and so I actually approached uh, some of my other uh, clients that were manufacturers. They, they make cosmetics. They're a company called Dynamic Blending here in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, guys, you know I'm, I'm thinking about starting this fulfillment center. And, and would you guys look at in investing and, and being our partners? And they said, absolutely. So ultimately, that, that was the push that, that took me out of Draco uh, and, and led me to, to starting this company here.
2: Well, that's that's interesting. I, I love to hear that that experience of like what takes you into or what took you into your own entrepreneurial journey, because I feel like a lot of the the listeners that we have out there, it's the same thing. Like they they were either in another job or they had this idea and they, they had this kind of pull. They wanted to get into the entrepreneurial uh, world. And then, you know, the, for whatever reason, they they decided to develop that product they decided to actually start that website or or start whatever and and kind of start this journey and so it's it's cool to see you know a lot of our listeners have done it with a product-based business but you did it with kind of a service-based business that helps product-based businesses so it's there's just there's so much opportunity out there especially in e-commerce like every aspect there's there's a way to to start your own business and, and uh and be successful so that's that's awesome i love to hear that
1: and you have to strike it when the hammer's hot. I think if I had waited, mm-hmm. I probably would have lost interest eventually and, and just fell yeah. back into my comfortable lifestyle. And, you know, I was making good money and and uh, I have a daughter full time and and house and all these uh, responsibilities. But since that decision, I've, I've never looked back and I, I will never work for someone again. So <laughs> yeah, with your mentality. would well, uh, tell us like, I guess um, just this is
2: a little bit off of maybe what we were going to talk about, but I'm just kind of curious when you made that jump, like, was it like a full-on like i'm gonna have no income for a minute or was it like a, hey i'm jumping into this i got a few clients like how scary was it and 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 uh how long before you felt like you really kind of had your feet under you
1: yeah we i mean we've had thankfully we've been blessed with some pretty pretty strong growth um when i left that uh when i left my last company i, I sat back and said all right how are we going to fund this right with 3PLs require a lot of startup capital. Um, yeah. And so thankfully, the business partners we had, they loaned us $100,000, uh, a 12% interest rate, right? So you pay for oh, it. Yeah. Uh, but they also allowed us to use their warehouses, forklifts, other things like that so, oh. we, could get, so we could get on our feet. Um, yeah. Ultimately, that's when I brought in my other business partner, Josh. Um, and in our first year, our first full year of revenue, we went from about... Uh, 20,000 to to a million dollars and then in our second full year of revenue we went from a million dollars up to about 4.2 million dollars wow. and then you know this year we're already pacing that 8 million dollar uh, range so awesome. you know we we've seen some aggressive growth but to your to your last question I really didn't feel like we were financially stable until maybe earlier 2021 you know it, yeah. you're always kind of in that point of man we're we're putting 50,000 into racking and 30,000 into an AC and a hundred thousand into this. And this. so we were, we were able to actually fund ourselves and, and accomplish everything that we've wanted to accomplish. Thankfully off of our own profits. And, and really we've only ever raised about $150,000. So
2: that's amazing. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah. That's, that's a wild journey and that's, you know, something to that effect of, of a lot of entrepreneurs out there.
1: So it's, it's really cool to hear. Thanks for sharing so that. Work hard and find the right space and you know work out. So yeah
0: yeah no, that's
1: awesome so i guess maybe kind of going back
0: to that that transition and kind of where you guys started to where you're at now there's obviously there's there's a lot of 3pls out there um a lot of fulfillment centers um i guess for you guys when you guys started your fulfillment center what was something you guys kind of focused on is there like a differentiator or something you guys kind of pride yourself on um or kind of a little bit about that kind of uh i just maybe take a step back if you kind of go over what a 3pl is what a 3pl does and then kind of what you guys. You know, kind of walk us through that that process for those that may not be as familiar with what a three PL is.
1: Yeah, so three PL stands for third party logistics, right? So you want to go out and start an e commerce business, but you don't want to deal with all the the hassle and the the fear involved with shipping, right? So we when we got into the market, we looked at at what things were going on, and we said there there are a lot of small e commerce businesses popping up, and a lot of these these People that are starting these companies have no idea about shipping or logistics, and and it's the hundred or the the ten thousand pound elephant in the room, you know. So our main focus has been twofold. First, we wanted to be an end to end solution since the beginning. We are our, our vision has always been uh, manufacturer to customer shipping. So we take care of everything from import and export, you know, domestic wow. shipping, so pallet mm-hmm. shipping. And then, obviously, we have three warehouses here in Utah to, that handles our e-commerce fulfillment, and then we're opening up a national facility. So,
2: so way more than just a three PL. You're talking like freight, like moving exactly, freight yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yep. So we, we do a
1: lot of everything. And and again, we've come to clients and said, hey, you know what? Uh, we understand that this is scary, but let us do this for you. You know, let let us take that that burden off of your plate. Um, And and then we have the customer service backing to make sure that these clients are satisfied. So, those have been our two major differentiating factors. And and there's some other companies that do that, but most fulfillment centers you see, they just want to do fulfillment.
0: Yeah, I would say that's a huge uh, value add. And I haven't heard too much of a a 3PL managing freight um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: in in general. So, usually it's like what I've seen in my experience is a 3PL will mostly do, they want to pick, pack, and ship, get the order out. And once yes. it's out, it's it's out. But as far as doing uh, freight um, and stuff like that, import export, um, that's that's a unique product offering. So that's that's great that you're able to identify that need and that niche um, in your in your space. So I think that's that's amazing.
2: Yeah, um, and I, I think also for the startups, you know, the, the product based startups, they focus so much on the product and maybe getting it manufactured, but then they don't put a whole lot of thought in like i remember so i started a business you know this is probably six seven years ago we did a kickstarter launch you know we designed the product we got manufacturers you know it was all great but then when it came to like actually importing it i was like i asked our our factory like um okay so how do i do this you know <laughs> exactly. and then they, they started saying like well I'll just use this freight forwarder. and i started talking to a freight forwarder and they're like, okay, so you need like a, uh, Emerson, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a, a customs bond. Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, w- j- just tell me what I need and like, let's get it. And yeah. it was just like, it was just something that you, you don't think it's not the sexy part of business, right? Mm-hmm. It's the part that it's like, it just needs to happen. And it's like, whatever needs to happen make it happen. And then I just wanna go sell this product. And, and uh, that was, the, I learned a, a, some hard lessons there, but I think that's a similar journey for most startup product-based
1: businesses. Yeah, well, so, we have a lot of people in your position that that we're able to approach and say we will handle it for you you know we'll, we'll mm-hmm. be the importer of record we'll act you know we'll deal with all of these bonds and other things that are scary um mm-hmm. and we'll make it easy you know that has always been our vision and our goal is make shipping and logistics easy for our clients that's awesome
0: well that's kind awesome. of interesting i i went to school for supply chain so a major in supply chain management and uh I didn't really, like supply chain management in general, they don't talk about shipping, at least not in my, my major. is more just like, you know, running lean, Six Sigma, stuff like that. And uh, when I started to get into fulfillment and logistics, I thought it was like you just put a stamp on it. I was like, how many stamps you got to put on this product to ship it out, you know? Like, how is this a complicated process, you know? And uh, once you start moving into order volume, you're going to realize like, oh, there's a lot like that goes into it once you have more SKUs. Um, and as you grow, there's a lot of pain points in that once you kind of take your your, your brand or your product, or being a, once you transition from being a product business to being a brand, um, there's a whole different thing. When you're just like, like most entrepreneurs start off, maybe they have an idea of a product and they have more product offerings and they get into understanding like what SKUs are, getting registered barcodes, getting registered GS1, um, working with a 3PL, the processes of properly labeling your products, you know, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So it's interesting. There's a, a lot that goes into fulfillment um, that on the outside, you just think, Oh, Amazon is amazing. It's super simple. They just put stuff in a box. Um, I mean, that's definitely very like simplified. There's a lot that goes into managing mm-hmm. inventory, um, making sure inventory doesn't get lost making sure that uh, it arrives on time is where you need it to be. So that's a, uh, um, there's a lot of value in F3 PL or working with a, a a partner that that understands all those intricacies. Um that like kind of like Russell said when he started off, like you don't know about you needing know, a customs bond. You think, hey, I'm just gonna call FedEx and say, hey, ship it from Asia and
2: they're like, oh frick, air freight's expensive. We probably gotta put this on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. air freighted, we air freighted half our shipment and then the other half we we did by boat. And I, I mean it was ridiculous. Like you don't just, you don't think of those things. You're like, oh, sure. All right. It's here. You're a lot faster. And then you spend like
1: 10 times yeah, more. Five, five times, six times email. And hey, yeah. I think anyone can figure out how to ship one order a day, but it's when you get to a hundred orders a day, it's when you get mm-hmm. to a thousand orders a day, uh, to your point, Russell, that that's when it becomes very difficult. Um, yeah, And and that's how your business has to scale if you're an e-commerce company. So it's a hurdle you're going to have to get over. So kind of on that, that, that side of stuff, what is an ideal client for either for,
0: For you guys or as a 3pl in general like when should a company look to either outsource that or when um to a 3pl or is it like is always the great answer for a 3pl or what does that kind of look like what kind of companies do you guys try to target and work with
1: so it is not always the right time to work with a 3pl and and i'll say that you know you, you can lean on somebody to handle your logistics uh for domestic freight and import but 3pls there tends to be a cost attached that has to be worth it for the client. And, and a good spot for us in that where we say, hey, you know what? I, I think you're a good fit is 20 to 30 plus orders per day. And then an inventory amount that really doesn't exceed 15 to 20 pallets, right? Because if you're if you're above that, your storage costs eat up whatever margin you have within your product. So it's important that you really make sure that you're ready to to get to that point um now we're 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 more than willing to help clients as they're shipping from their own house to ask questions and other things like that but really our golden customers is those guys who have been doing it out of their own house they're shipping and they're just like hey you know what my wife is getting tired of these pallets stacked up in our garage um you know we're up to 20 30 orders a day it's time that i really offload this and focus on sales and marketing so i can go from 20 to 30 to you know 500 orders a day uh and get my business to the next level gosh that,
0: that definitely makes sense um kind of speaking so on that, you- a little bit more on that maybe is there's different types of shipping so like as far as um like you can do direct to retail some mm-hmm. more um, b2b sales versus direct to consumer um in my experience it's been hard to find or the, the processes are also very different Um, when shipping a uh, a B2B versus a D2C customer. Um, What, uh, I'm gonna try to see how I can phrase this question, I guess, Um, what would be the reasoning of like, do you need a different type of 3PL that does, hey, we are a direct to consumer um, kind of 3PL, or do you guys kind of specialize in just like, hey, we're gonna ship everything direct to the customer, or if they have retail orders going somewhere else, what are kind of some of the, I guess, is that a service you guys offer? And second off, if so, um, what are kind of some of the intricacies of someone that is kind of going direct to, to retail, um, some of those pain points that a 3PL
1: might be able to help them with? Yeah. So the first is going to be system. If you if your 3PL doesn't have a good software system to, to be able to manage things, uh, you're going to have a much more difficult time. So, you know, thankfully, we have a, a software system that allows us to manage both uh, B2C orders or business to consumer orders and B2B orders. So, uh, Orders out to your major wholesalers, Evie Brown and and Cormark and McLean and and uh, even to mom and pop shops that just need a couple of cases. Um, the the main thing you got to watch out for when you're when you're utilizing a 3PL for both is do they understand how to read and follow routing guides, right? And and a routing guide for for people who don't know is basically a distributor's standards. So they'll say, hey. This, this pallet needs to come in with labels on every box. It needs to have the PO numbers listed here. It needs to have a, a packing slip, you know, on the outside in certain locations. If those things aren't done, shipments will get rejected, uh, they'll get held up, you'll get charged, um, and all of these things are critical, uh, again, to growing that business. So we, we do handle both. We have a lot of clients that are very large on the retail side and they're very large on the B2C side. Um, and I love clients like that. You know, we we handle freight and import export so that's right, right in our wheelhouse. But the critical piece there is routing guides. How how well does your three PL know how to read and follow those routing guides?
2: Is there a way that you can, or that you would recommend? Like, okay, so somebody's looking for a uh, a three PL. How what questions should they ask so that they can better understand? Like, do they have three PL or uh, retail capability? Because we've I've I've worked with warehouses where it's like we start throwing retail orders at them and it's just like they said they can do it and then it's like three weeks have passed they haven't you know they haven't picked packed and shipped any of the pallets it's, it's like they say one thing but they can't actually do it so what questions can somebody ask when evaluating a 3pl to really better understand like yeah these guys don't know what they're doing when it comes to a routing guide or when it comes to I, to
1: retail i would just ask them what routing guide standard do you guys follow right mm-hmm. and if they can give you a present and answer uh, right offhand, then uh, then you know okay, these guys have dealt with in the past. For instance, we use the McLean standard, right? Mm-hmm. McLean tends to be one of the strictest uh, distributors in the industry. And so if you're following the McLean standard, you tend to cover all of the routing requirements that E.B. Brown and Cormark and, and UNFI and, and some of these other major guys are gonna meet. So that that would be the first question because I, I guarantee you're gonna come up and ask a 3PL, do you guys ship wholesale? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. We, oh, yeah, they're you. all gonna say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're probably talking, we'll ship a couple cases out to, you know, this Strip Mart uh, store here, which is not a bad thing. But there's a difference between being able to ship to a small store and being able to ship to a major uh, national or international distributor.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that definitely gets overlooked. Again, kind of, it's it's so funny in business how something so simple can be so complicated mm-hmm. and complex.
2: Um, and be expensive, too. Like, down the road, you, you're you in with a 3PL. You're not switching that overnight. And so. you can't get your retail orders out, so you're ru- you're burning your relationships, and mm-hmm. it just can it can cause a lot of issues. Yeah, I, a
1: think,
0: awesome. uh, I, I think the three PL industry is in general is a very interesting um, <laughs> space because there's so there's, a, there's I mean, you guys definitely have competition. There's a lot of like in Utah, for example, there's a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of three PLs. Um, I, I would kind of, I guess, maybe bash on the industry. There's a lot of bad three PLs though out there. I'm mm-hmm. kind of have a lot of people like, oh, how hard is it to put a label on something? hard is it to ship but kind of he says like having the software and the tech and processes in place um is is huge um but at the same time i've i've kind of experienced with brands is sometimes they oversimplify the processes of working with their 3pl um and i feel like a lot of brands maybe have that lack of communication with their 3pl possibly Mm -hmm. Um, so i guess maybe if you want to kind of speak on some of that stuff like what are maybe the pain points from your side of being a three PL and working with brands, where are some of the pain points or some of the common errors or or inefficiencies that you you see working with, with your brands and your customers?
1: Yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing for anybody who's looking to work with the three PL is to keep in mind that the three PL is like your warehouse, right? They are not your front office and your warehouse. Mm-hmm. So you still have to manage your business regardless of the fact that a three PL is is taking things over. So where we run into the most, uh, I guess you could say friction with our clients is when they expect us to do things that are their responsibility, right? And and so we've had to be very clear and, and very crystal on, on, hey guys, here are your responsibilities. If you're seeing orders that are not fulfillable for a few days, we're dealing with thousands of orders a day. We, we may or may not catch that uh, whereas your dashboard has as your orders specifically, and, and it's much easier for you as a client to be able to catch that. So, the the biggest thing I always tell clients is is think of your warehouse or think of your three PL as your warehouse, and you are still the front office. Um, people tend to go, three PL has it, we're good, wipe mm-hmm. my hands of it, they'll take care of it, and then they don't look at it until there's an issue that that arises.
0: Mm-hmm yeah no I, I think i've experienced that too with different clients or brands i've worked with i think a lot of it is that communication i think like what you're talking about is like drawing that line that line in the sand of like your responsibilities 3pl um responsibilities um i think kind of bringing that up is like for peak season for example um or when you're doing like a kickstarter fulfillment um i've seen a lot of brands where they'll be doing a kickstarter fulfillment and they just ship the product there and all of a sudden there's like ten thousand units that need to be shipped out they submit that order and like hey we need it out this week Mm-hmm. They never provide the, the warehouse with a forecast or something like that, um, so I, I see stuff like that a lot of like communication errors, um, yeah. like like that. I'm, I'm assuming you might run into that as, as well.
1: Yeah, um, communication breakdown is is definitely our biggest our biggest struggle. So, yeah. um,
0: I guess maybe on that as well, how um, the three P I feel like also gets kind of put in an interesting situation where there's you um, you're you're, cut, you're you're the hands on with the product. Um, and usually like most brands they never see their product and they just if they, if they work with 3pl it goes a 3pl it comes in it comes out and that's a number in a dashboard to a, to a brand um but when there is an issue for example like a rework say you have a, a product and one of your widgets comes in all scratched up or, or broken or needs some rework to it um is that something as far as what you guys would launch fulfillment um doing like special special projects is that something you guys kind of take on or is that something you kind of push back to your brand saying hey if you need to rework this you guys kind of rework it or um what kind of your guys processes and procedures because i've seen that be a big issue with the companies that i've worked with is hey this this product came in broken we need it it's a quick fix or it needs a repackaging mm-hmm. um it also takes a lot of time from a 3pl you guys you want to pick pack and ship so i guess for you guys how do you guys handle that or what do you think is the best practice if a company gets damaged products
1: that need to be reworked yeah it, for i mean ultimately it all comes down to cost Right. We've established multiple divisions within our company that can manage various things. So we have our e-com pick and pack division. We have our wholesale division and we have our special projects division. Mm -hmm. Um, And all three of those will specialize in certain areas of pain points that we have for clients like you've referenced there. Um, Our special projects division tends to be more expensive than what you might get out of a manufacturer but when you add in the cost of shipping to a manufacturer having them rework everything shipping back to your 3pl having all the receiving fees and everything plus the fees that were involved of you know putting everything together and shipping it back to the manufacturer um often it can be it can be uh you know about about the right balance that you need Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know it's good to have good communication with your 3pl and it's good to have a 3pl that's willing to work with you again they're your warehouse right so you need somebody that that is willing to do the things that your warehouse would do if if you had that warehouse in-house yourself. No, that's, that's, that's a great point.
0: Um, well, I guess to kind of start start wrapping some stuff up here, um, I think there's been a lot of uh, great information that you've shared and kind of give some insight into the, the 3PL world and kind of understanding um, everything that's that's going on in, in your guys' world. So thanks for, for sharing all that stuff. Kind of to Kind of spice things up a little bit, you guys are obviously in the service-based industry um, but do you know if e-com orders, if you had to start a product-based business, what would you start? Like, What do you think is the next cool thing, next trendy thing, or, um, or to make something you set a passion on if you had a product-based business? Where do you think you would
1: you'd invest your time and resources? In? Uh, me, personally, I think VR is sweet. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I would, awesome. I, the startup costs and everything are just insane, but you know, I, I think the stuff they're doing with it is just, super cool um but what i always tell we we get people that will come and ask us hey i want to start a product business but i don't know what um and just from observation with our clients what i've seen is uh you don't have to you don't have to completely build a better mousetrap you can just build a slight variation of a better mousetrap you know there's there's companies here that the supplement industry for instance is massive but you find a company that finds a weird niche in the supplement (laughs) industry Uh, and they make it huge, you know, yeah. so find an industry you like, find a slight variation of that industry or niche that you could do and, and build a, a product based business around that. And I've seen clients that just that have blown up just doing something simple like that. Yeah, awesome. and,
2: and sometimes it's just the way you market it. I mean, yeah. just going after like a specific audience that. Doesn't have a specific supplement, you know, um, and not to say Mountain Ops is this way, but they they just go hard into that, like you know, the camping the, and outdoorsmen, the, the, outdoorsman, the, the and hunting, that. and they they kill it because that I mean they were kind of the first into that into that realm specific to that audience, and so uh, yeah, I think that's a great great point of view from from what you for you just said absolutely. So, but I'm I- walking by the, the mall one of these days, and I see Braden there with a the VR headset
0: in those VR lounges, going <laughs> <single> ham. <laughs> but, uh, I
1: might have one in my house. Uh,
2: all right. <laughs> I be in those, like
0: twirly things. When i always never people those like circle treadmills or whatever in their house. <laughs>
2: Dude, it's, the, it's, it's the future i was uh somebody just sent me a link to how like p- there are investors spending millions of dollars in the metaverse buying virtual real estate so i mean that's I a whole know. other discussion but it's like it's <laughs> coming it's coming, millions coming bucks the
1: YouTube, so yeah <laughs> no, it's fun. that's
2: awesome
0: um okay i guess the next question is um what's the what's the best piece of advice you can give someone who's starting starting a business obviously you've gone gone through that recently the past couple of years starting your own business with some some good uh I guess you can share with our audience
1: on starting a business. Yeah, I'll, I'll share a piece of advice that honestly changed my uh, entrepreneurship life. Uh, I was originally, when we started this company, again, I I had a, I was making a six-figure income at in my last job. I was comfortable. I I had a lot of responsibilities that I think I could easily have said, you know what, these things are. I can't risk, you know, leaving my daughter homeless and being homeless and all these different things so my initial goal when i started the business was to have my current business partner josh be in it full time uh, and we could pay him a lower salary because he didn't have as many responsibilities and i would just work you know at my current job and just kind of half in half out both sides we went to lunch with a a entrepreneur here in utah kind of a serial entrepreneur he had started and, and made two businesses public and and just a just a very solid guy and we told him our plan and he said, hold on, you're not going to be in the business full time. And I said, well, no, not until we have the the revenue where it can sustain us both. And he said, your business will not be what you want it to be. He said, if you want a successful business, you need to burn your ships and you need to be full time into that thing. And and that just like that hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I drained my entire 401k uh lived on that for six months got this loan from our other partners uh and i'm you know our business would be nowhere near where it is today if we had not followed through on that so what i would say is that if you really want to be your own boss and to get out into the market and to start a successful business you have to take risk it's just inevitable if you want to be a, a slow growing you know maybe get there someday type of business then then be half and half. But the guys that I see really succeed are the guys that are totally invested 100% in their business because you will be shocked what one or two people can accomplish when they're full time focused on their business.
2: That's a that's a great point. And I, I, I mean, I have personally experienced that where, you know, the, the first four or five businesses that I started, none of them took off because I was kind of going the cheap route. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hire anybody to do that, but I'm not going to step out of my job. And so it was just like, and things didn't get done because I wanted to do it myself and I didn't hire anybody to do it. And I had a day job or whatever, you know. So that, I think that's an amazing, that's a great perspective. So
1: thanks yeah, for sharing that. Not to, not to, you know, put down anybody who's doing the half and half thing. I mean, right. Um, it's but if you want, it is, it's goals. And if you want it, your business to be not just small, but big, you know, and, and where you want it to be, it takes your mm-hmm. full. It takes full time.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. All right. And then just last to, to wrap it up, what can our audience do for you? What are you looking for? How can we help support you?
1: Um, You know, just uh, we're we're always open to referrals, phone calls, whatever you guys have. We, we'd we love to help out wherever we can, but uh, keep starting companies, keep starting <laughs> e-com businesses, you know, keep growing. It's the future. E-commerce yeah. is where the world will go. Um, and so, you know, keep doing it
0: awesome. and then on that where can uh, where can our audience reach out to you or where's a, a good spot for them to, to connect
1: yeah good question i mean anybody who wants to reach out to me it's just my first name Braden, at launchfulfillment.com uh you know i had sales up at our company so i can connect them with another one of our reps or our website has an instant chat function our phone number uh, a job form uh, whatever form of communication any of our social channels um feel free to reach out and that's just launchfulfillment.com, right? Yep, launchfulfillment.com. Perfect. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank
2: you, Braden. Thanks for for hopping on with us today, sharing your insights. Maybe we'll have you back in the future as uh, as uh, VR becomes a bigger thing and you start your own <laughs> VR business. <laughs> well, maybe, who knows? <laughs> we'll see, huh? No. So, yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yep. Not a no problem. problem.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and visit us at productpowerup.com to join our community of entrepreneurs just like you.